episode two of Rainbow Pridecast. My name is Danielle Dupuis, and I use the pronoun she, her. Today, I've asked Uma Ribeiro, sophomore in Hammond High School, to join us again, this time as co-host for this episode, which features Carrie. Carrie is a local organization and stands for Community Allies of Rainbow Youth. Today, joining us from Carrie is Yang Maddies, Susie Gerb, and Robin Page. Welcome, ladies. Hi, um, thank you for having us today. My name is Ying Maddies. I am a parent of a current um, HCPSS student and a former student, and I'm a founding member of CARI, Community Allies of Rainbow Youth. Yeah, hi, I'm Susie Gerb. Uh, I'm a teacher at the Howard County Public School System, and uh, I'm also the uh, Gender and Sexuality Alliance uh, advisor uh, for that uh, student organization there. And we're also joined by Robin Page. Robin, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm an HCPSS staff member. I am the middle school GSA saga representative to carry, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Excellent. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, CARI and what CARI stands for? Because I know it did go through a bit of a name change. Yes, sure. Um, I can start with that and then Susie and Robin can jump in. CARI, when we first started, it, stand, it, it stood for uh, Centennial Allies of Rainbow Youth because some of our founding members were mostly Centennial parents and staff members here. And... Uh, over time, we were evolved into community allies of rainbow youth. So we covered the entire community of Howard County. That's awesome. And um, when did you guys establish this organization? And can you tell me a little bit about what compelled you to create it? Sure. We uh, first started, uh, our first meeting was March of last year. What uh, really prompted us to create this group was actually a conversation I had with two students who were in the GSA club at Centennial High School. I was connected to them and the mom of one of the students by a mutual friend. And when we met, uh, I think it was sometime in February last year, those students voiced their concerns with um, sometimes they wish they had more support from school staff and the community in general. And so I emailed some of the friends I had and who I knew were allies of the LGBTQ kids. And we had our first meeting in March in my uh, house. And we're probably about five or six people. And in the process of trying to figure out what this group wants to do, I did have a, um, I did have some conversation with uh, PFLAG leadership as well as some active members that I already knew and worked with before because I wanted to make sure that our new group will not compete with what PFLAGs is already doing. Instead, we should complement each other's work. And the people I reached out to were very supportive of this idea of CARI, and they also shared with me that... Um, working directly with individual schools has been an area where PFLAG hasn't really had much success with. And given some of the, especially given some of the founding members past experience um, volunteering in the school community, it makes sense to uh, most of us who started this group that Carrie would try to fill this gap and focus our energy on working directly with the schools in Howard County. 
Wow, that's, you know, I, I had no idea that you just started last year. So you've only um, been an organization for one year. Yes. That's kind of amazing because um, you've accomplished so much already. Um, I've already seen that you've gone before the board uh, several times. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the other things that um, Carrie has accomplished? Um, sure. Again, I can start and I'll have uh, Susie and Robin jump in too. Um, so because we're small, we're, you know, as I said, we started with five or six people having attending that first meeting. Um, we've grown to 30 members now as the last count. Just recently, we had a new addition to our group. So we're, most of us are uh, working full time outside the home. And there are people who are really very active volunteers in the community and school system and outside the school system. So we're kind of limited by our capacity. We have been growing um, not just in terms of members, but also trying to figure out exactly where we can play a more active role and how to do things to to leverage our talent and time and the passion to support these kids. So some of the things we have done were not really that we planned ahead and say, we're gonna do this and that, and let's have a different committees. We haven't really had a formal election because we haven't drafted uh, bylaws. I'm one of the people who really wants to play by the rules. If we don't have bylaws, we shouldn't have an election and we don't really have officers. So we have basically volunteers who fill some positions and people have been really wonderful step up into roles at, on a as needed basis and working with different schools we basically kind of tap into our existing relationship with some of the schools and um, Robin mentioned that she's a liaison for middle school GSA and Saga clubs um, along the way I did try to connect a lot of the other GSA and Saga advisors because it seemed to make sense to me that uh, these are the allies and staff members already working very closely with the kids in the schools. So getting them together and brainstorm and share ideas and any kind of uh, challenges they might face, it, it really is a no-brainer to us. So we had a couple of the meetings with these advisors and some of the things that came up during the meeting. And, you know, for example, one advisor would say, I wish parents could and carry could come in and support and uh, help me talk to the school administrator, perhaps to iron out some of the challenges when the GSA club meets and they don't get consistent announcement. So a couple of the parents from Carrie went to a meeting with this advisor and meet with administrators and the, you know, it was a really positive outcome because I think the dynamic is that staff members are very supportive of these kids, but they are school employees. So there's a limit to what kind of things you can say, how much you can advocate for yourself without worrying about there could, could be a potential sensitivity and worrying about your own employment and then your relationship with the administrators and parents coming in would be a very different uh, role that we can play this additional advocacy on behalf of these kids and also helping the staff members to figure out some of the you know potentially where are the challenges and perhaps we can come in so those are some of the examples I can think of, and I don't know if Susie and Robin, you want to 
jump in and see if you have anything to add. So it's been great to hear from Ying from a, um, a parent perspective. And um, Susie and Robin are both uh, Howard County employees. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from, uh, from each of you. Robin, did you want to jump in? Well, sure. From my perspective, I think what's really been um, awesome and exciting about Carrie is that um, we have gone from, at my count, and the, during the 2019, sorry, 2018-19 school year, we had two middle school GSAs in the school system. And now, by my count, we have at least six. I think there are seven that I'm aware of. And we have, as advisors, um, made connections through Carrie. Carrie has brought us together at physical meetings, and we've been connecting online as well. And so, for me, that's really something that a year ago, if you had told me that I would be in this situation, I would not have imagined it, that it would have been. Um, happening so quickly and it's also exciting for me to see the support that my staff and administration at my school has given to Carrie. Carrie hosted a breakfast for our staff at the start of the school year and I mean it was just overwhelming how our staff members embraced and supported the organization and the cause right off the bat. So um, again this this to me sort of has exceeded my wildest you know um, uh, possibilities in such a short amount of time of what I could imagine. I was invited by um, a parent to to become a member of the Carry group. Um, I had taught their child previously, and so they knew that I was an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really just thought I would be, yeah, I'll be a liaison at the school to support, um, at my particular school to, to support our students. But again, never did I imagine that we would see such a growth of uh, GSA organizations at the middle school level so quickly. So for me, that's really been phenomenal. That That is really phenomenal. And um, I love the fact that the parent felt comfortable enough to come to you and say, hey, you know, I know you're an ally and it would be great for you to be part of this organization and for you to just jump in like that. I think that shows just how fortunate we are in Howard County to have so many willing staff members um, to support these kids. And I mean, that just is just so wonderful. Um, Susie, did you want to add on? Sure. I mean, you know, as the, uh, uh, as the gender and sexuality Alliance sponsor, uh, I, I hear the good things and these are just, you know, absolutely wonderful students, wonderful kids with wonderful attitudes uh, but I also see that there is institutional discrimination, institutional marginalization. Uh, we have some very, very affirming people at Centennial. And then I hate to say it, but we have a few people that aren't all that affirming, uh, as you will anywhere. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was a struggle every year, for example, to get our announcements read, to, to you know, uh, uh, you know, think about a... a a gender and sexuality alignments is not like the basketball team. You, you know, if you want to play basketball, your friends probably play basketball too. They'll probably tell you, hey, you know, you want to come to tryouts? Tryouts are tomorrow afternoon. Um, it, it doesn't work that way for, for a gender and sexuality alliance. You know, your friends probably don't know that you're queer. You may not, you, you know, may not be out to your friends. And so you're only going to hear about uh, when the GSA meets if it's announced out loud on, on, on the loudspeaker. And you know, you're probably not even gonna know there is a GSA. And we, for, for many years, 
Uh, I would put in announcements to have them read and they just wouldn't be read. And there was always some reason why they wouldn't be read. And it was not until the parents in Cary got involved and went to the administration of the school and said, you know, uh, uh, are, are you going to read this, the announcements for our student organization that we actually got an agreement from our administration to read the announcements. So it's, it's you know, the, these, these kids need support. Um, they need support from the adults in our lives, and, and, and I'm very glad we now have a way for them to get it. So you've noticed an improvement um, in the last year then since Carrie's kind of stepped up and showed their support? Well, I've seen what they've done. I mean, no, I, I, I sat in a meeting with an administrator and with Carrie parents uh, where, you know, where we talked about getting our announcements read and the administrator agreed to uh, read our announcements. I had never seen that before. Usually I you know, go to an administrator and say, please read our announcements. And they say, I can't promise you to read our announcements. There are just too many announcements, too many clubs. You're just another club like everyone else. You know, they don't really understand the importance until the parents come in and, and, and you know, uh, and make a point of it. Which it's, um, I guess it's upsetting to think that it had to come to that, but I am really glad that we do have that, uh, that are, do we have this local support now from Carrie? Um, so speaking of support, um, you just recently launched a website where you posted some ratings of board of education candidates. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we have definitely uh, seen quite a bit of traffic to our website since it was first published earlier this month. And um, our social media person actually reported to Carrie that uh, we've had some very positive responses from the allies in our county and the region with people sharing posts and retweeting and sharing the link to our website. Um, we were also, of course, alerted to some pretty negative reaction. I myself are actually not on social media, so I have a very incomplete view. I did see some comments from one public Facebook group, which are the only groups that I can see. Um, some of the negative reactions actually came from candidates who received a failing grade. Um, you know, these are very important issues and it's understandable if my favorite candidate got an F, I probably would be uh, upset too. Um, but there are also people who actually did ask some legitimate questions because they don't know anything about Carrie. We're relatively new. They wanted to know who we are and how we came up with these questions as well as uh, our grades for the candidates. So I would uh, let uh, Susie and Robin, the two educators, and Carrie to maybe address the creation of these questions and the criteria we use in grading. Mm -hmm. Uh, process. But before that, I would just briefly touch on two more of a big picture aspects of uh, reaction to our website, to the launch of the, the grades and the, you know, the questionnaire and responses. The first is that as the parent of a non-binary child, I have been on a journey and this is an ongoing process that to learn about the uh, experiences of LGBTQ community. And I think people's experience and perspective would vary a great deal. And one of the factors influencing that is perhaps is how close you are to the lived experience of the LGBTQ individual, including 
oftentimes is how close you are to the pain and suffering. I think many people probably are familiar with some of the very grim statistics that um, uh, there are many studies showing an increased risk of suicide attempts and mental health struggles and also homelessness among the LGBTQ youth compared to their peers to a parent of one of these kids who are experiencing troubles and struggles, these are not just statistics anymore. And some of our caring members are folks who either have um, experienced the discrimination or struggles themselves living as an LGBTQ individual, or they have oftentimes parents and allies who have seen firsthand the kind of profound pain some of these kids have gone through or are going through. So when we grade candidates, um, board of ed candidates who will, when they're elected, make decisions that will impact the life of all of our kids, we felt very strongly to look for unequivocal support and unwavering support and commitment to affirm these kids, their humanity, and make sure they feel safe and included in our schools. And the other aspect of uh, some of the comments and reactions I've seen, I think had to do with CARI itself. We're a new organization. And as I mentioned before, we haven't had a formal election yet. And we're pretty small. Um, out of the privacy concerns, even though I've seen comments on Facebook asking us, demanding that we publish our member list, who have graded our candidates, and for privacy reasons, and I think people understand these are sensitive issues, we will not publicize our member list. At some point, however, as an organization, if we decide to grow and uh, decide to draft bylaws and have a formal election, and when that happens, we most likely will publicize our uh, board list. We'll have a better idea of who is more active and who's involved in some of the, you know, the day-to-day -day decision on the, at the organizational level. Ultimately, we really do hope the voters in this county will read the questions that we created and uh, uh, candidates' responses and judge for themselves whether they see these candidates as having demonstrated unequivocal support for LGBTQ kids. And I think, um, you know, one of the questions that I had was um, about the report card is just, you know, as a parent, um, you know, if your child brings home a failing grade, I think the first reaction is you're upset. But then the second reaction is, but why? And I think taking a look at the why as to, you know, some of these candidates that um, some did not respond, so hopefully in the future they will um, think and respond and that will be kind of their improvement. Um, but then for the other candidates that um, maybe didn't answer these questions um, very well um, to show their support of LGBTQ youth, um, maybe they'll think a little bit deeper about what kind of um, bias they have um, that may have impacted their answers and kind of like how they can make improvements. Um, because I think ultimately, too, what we want to see in board candidates are um, who's going to work, who's going to work hard and, um, you know, work for the people. That's why they're elected. Uh, can I, can and, I jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I was part of the, the group that drafted the questions. 
And, um, you know, the seeds of this happened four years ago. We had a school board election and there was some whisper that some of the candidates were not LGBT affirming, but it was very, very hard to get any information about them. I remember milling around at a meet and greet and, you know, uh, walking up to one of the candidates and, you know, asking them how they felt about, you know, queer people. And, oh, yeah, I have a, a transgender relative. Um, this oh. person said, and um, uh, and I was asking about their transgender relative, trying to maybe deduce this person's, uh, um, you know, how they felt about uh, being affirming of of queer identities just from what they talked about their their uh, trans relative, and I I couldn't even figure out whether they were gendering their trans relative properly because I've certainly met people who say, oh yeah, I have a transgender daughter, and what they really mean is I have a transgender son who was assigned female at birth and, and don't know the difference. And this person, I couldn't tell. And I realized, you know, we need to, we need to get these candidates on the record. And so in, in a later election, um, you know, at one of these forums, I managed to get a question asked to one of the candidates. And the question was, do you uh, um, support affirming bathroom and locker room policies? And the answer I got back uh, was, well, you know, every school's needs are different. And I think it needs to, you know, we need to look at every school a case by case basis. And I'm thinking to myself, somebody who is not educated about this, somebody who is not uh, uh, in, in contact with the issues of, of queer children, um, to them, that might sound like a perfectly reasonable and supportive answer. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, to me, who, who has been involved in this, in this for many years, um, it's an awful answer because really what she's saying is uh, um, every principal should have the right to marginalize and discriminate against their trans kids if they think that if that's what they want or if, if that's what they think is the right thing to do. And so I realized that it's not good enough just to ask the questions and have them be on the record. They need to be analyzed by people who understand the issues. And that's the reason why... Um, you know, I, 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 I was uh, among the people that suggested that we have a questionnaire and that and that's the reason why uh, we went through the, the answers very carefully and tried to separate the people who were um, uh, un, unqual- who were uh, affirming in an unqualified way. In other words, they uh, uh, were, were uh, they didn't they didn't hedge their language. Versus people who were affirming or maybe said things that might have sounded affirming to somebody who didn't understand the various ways that politicians manage to, to mince their words in such a way that they aren't uh, actually saying what they really feel. Um, mm-hmm. And what we did was we, we uh, listed all of the, the concerns that we had. We didn't, uh, we didn't uh, attach individual concerns with individual candidates, but we listed all the concerns uh, so that people could read the questionnaires and see, ah, oh, yes, here, I see where this happened here. Um, so that, that's how we ended up posting it and doing it in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think also, uh, Susie, that you mentioned about um, the, the comment about principals getting to decide um, you know, whether or not it was necessary. I think that that candidate might have also not realized that you know, high schools, the average number of students in a high school is, what, 1,500? I mean, to be realistic, if you have 1,500 students in a high school, you're going to have a 
you know, a decent number of kids that are going to be non-gender conforming or queer or LGBTQ. So, you know, there's going to be a need regardless. For sure. I mean, the, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, they did a, a study of uh, uh, teens nationwide, and uh, they found that 2% of teens uh, identified as uh, either transgender or gender queer or gender expansive, 2%. So if you have 1,500 students in your school, that means there are, you know, if you, if you uh, multiply 2% in, you have 30 students running around. Uh, uh, you know, every teacher has a number of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a critical issue in every school. Every school has gender expensive, expensive and transgender students. The only question that the school has to ask is, are, do these students feel safe enough that they can tell us who they are? Or do they feel like they have to hide who they are? Um, there are an awful lot of uh, uh, trans uh, uh, children who want to use the bathroom of the gender with which they identify. And there are Absolutely. an awful lot of adults, uh, and some of whom are even on school staffs, who don't think that uh, transgender children should be able to use the bathroom uh, of the gender that they identify. And so, uh, uh, um, a, a gender affirming bathroom policy is very important to those students because otherwise they're being singled out as being say, you know, you girls, you all can use the girls' bathroom, but you girls over here, you're special, you're different. We won't let you use the girls' bathroom. Um, you know, can you imagine what that would feel feel like for a kid? Yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, Uma, did you want to add something to that as well? Um, yeah, uh, from a student perspective, I definitely feel like you know leaving these decisions up to one person, like one principal, for instance, um, is honestly not going to, there's no way that the needs of students who identify as trans or are in the LGBT community for to feel comfortable and feel safe. And so these candidates who, for instance, scored an F and, um, you know, replied by saying, well, I think it should be up to the principal to decide. They're really just trying to avoid the question and they're really not they're not looking at the issue and they need to, you know, they need to look at things from a viewpoint, from a perspective of students in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so I think that, you know, the grading, the grading, the candidates, the candidates was honestly a great idea. And you can really see the difference between those who, who scored an A um, and those who scored an F. So I really just think that there needs to be more awareness um, within these communities in general. Um, Robin, did you want to add anything to that? No, I mean, I, Ying and, and Judy have really said it all. I mean, for me, in terms of interpreting the responses from each candidate, it's really looking almost more at what they don't say in their responses than what they do say in many cases. Mm -hmm. um, so really identifying those people that are not going to hide behind existing policy and come out and fully support inclusion for our students i mean that to me is what was what earned people a grade of an a you know um just to cite existing policy in my mind doesn't doesn't tell me as a voter what your position on the issue really is mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just a way for you to sort of hide, hide behind it so um, but again, I mean, I would encourage everyone to read the responses and formulate their own opinions about the candidates. I think that that's why we posted the responses in their entirety on the website was 
so that people can educate themselves and, and make up their own minds ultimately. So what advice would you give to other parents of LGBTQ plus youth who want to make it known to their child that they're accepting and supportive? Okay, can I answer that as a parent <laughs> first? Um, I would say the short answer is tell them every day in your words and action that you love them and for who they just for who they are, not the way I wish you could be if you were this and that or you weren't this or that, I would love you. No, it's unconditional love. And the same way we would express that to a non-LGBTQ youth. To me, it's just, you know, it's the same love as love. As a parent, I don't see any other way. And to see my child who's non-binary, I don't see them as being a different child all of a sudden because of a gender expression or a gender identity. It's the same child as before. Mm -hmm. Can I add something? Absolutely. So uh, I, I think that there are some, some things that I hear parents say to and about their uh, transgender kids that I think they have to be very careful to avoid. For example, I hear parents often say, I'm afraid for you. This is a hard world to be queer in, and I don't want you having a hard time. And while that comes from a place of deep love and deep concern, uh, to a, a, a trans kid, it can sound unaffirming and it can sound uh, unsupportive that the trans kid will think, oh my goodness, if something bad happens to me, I can't tell my parents. Uh, or, you know, that maybe I shouldn't do this because, you know, uh, if something bad happens, it's partly my doing because I decided to come out as queer. And in reality, we, we should not we should not pile this on the, you know, the, the, the victims, the people who are uh, being marginalized and being discriminated against, they're not the people who should try to, to, to conform themselves to, to, to the way society wants them to be. Um, so I think that's something when, if you as a parent feel yourself wanting to say something like that, you know, re-examine re where you are. Um, and the second thing that I hear parents often say is, I'm not ready for this. I need time. You know, you've been you've been thinking about this for many years, but you just came out to me, you know, last week, and I need more time. And to parents like that, uh, you know, sure, I, I know, you know, I know how it feels to to have your world change like that. But your kid needs you now, and your kid needs a parent now. Your your kid doesn't need somebody who will sit and brood for, for a few months and then finally come out and say, okay, I think I'm okay with this. You know, you, you're, you're, you don't have that luxury. And, you know, the, uh, unfortunately, the rates of, of depression and, and anxiety and even suicide for queer kids when they're in communities that don't support them are so high that you can't afford to hold up. You can't afford to wait. You need right away to say, Yes, of course, I am behind you. Be who you are and, and be proud of who you are. And, and you know, if you're not in the headset to be able to say that, get yourself into the headset quickly because your kid needs to hear that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that's great advice. And if I can add, um, as someone who works with younger students, mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of our uh, younger students are at a phase where they're just 
starting to come out to friends and possibly to some school staff, and they haven't necessarily come out at home. And they are, they might be testing the waters. They might be asking some questions, you know, for a friend or sort of leaving some clues to see what the parental reaction will be. And, you know, as a parent, if, if you think that you're getting, you know, you're getting that sense of, that your child needs to get that, um, some feedback from you, you've got to really dig in. And, and like Susie said, they need you right now. Like Ying said, you know, you really should be showing them and telling them every day that you're affirming uh, them. Um, but to, to start those conversations with your younger children, because otherwise they're just, I mean, they're really perseverating on it. They're really wondering, you know, will my parents accept me? Um, am I okay? Are they going to be okay with this? And it, it really consumes them. It absolutely consumes them. So as a parent, if you pick up on it, that's your opportunity to, to open up that conversation. And you know, does Carrie offer any resources um, for parents who might be struggling with coming to terms that their child um, may or does identify as LGBTQ plus? Um, so right now, we don't have the resources, the capacity to actively reach out to parents who are, I guess, on the spectrum where they're really, really still having trouble accepting their kids. But even within our own members and within our uh, friends and allies, I know there are people who are on different parts of their journey too, because there are parents who um, have seen their kids come out to them, but not to their family members and to friends. So they sometimes do wonder why is this? And so it's, there's a process that's necessary for all of us to support each other. So for CARI members to come up, come together, have our regular meetings and talk to each other and share some of the um, experiences and thoughts and anxiety as well among ourselves. And so that really does provide a source of strength for us to provide the unconditional love and support to our kids. And eventually we do want to grow and have not only in our capacity, but more resources to be able to reach out to parents in our community who are perhaps not accepting their kids at all because those kids are at particularly higher risk of all kinds of issues. The studies actually have shown that for immediate family who do accept their kids, um, they fare much better in terms of the mental health issues and the suicide rate would go down and you know we don't have to worry about uh, other than the socioeconomic issues, but the homelessness a lot of the times has happened because parents literally kick their kids out. And it, it is on our wish list that we could grow in both in terms of membership and financial uh, power to provide that kind of a support for the kids and reach out to the parents. And I think it's so wonderful that you are providing support on, at so many levels. Um, so you're coming into the schools, um, you're being present, um, you know, uh, vocal to the board, um, you are providing support to other parents. So I love that this organization is so multifaceted. And um, thank you so much for, for that support for our, our kids. Um, Uma, did you want to ask the last question? Yes. Um, before I ask the question also, I just wanted to say from a student perspective, 
uh, thank you for, you know, um, establishing this organization. Um, so the last question I have here is, I know that Carrie has been vocal and supportive of LGBTQ plus youth in the county. Um, can you tell us a little more about how you've played a role in bringing positive changes for LGBTQ plus youth to the county? Um, yes, I think um, so. Robin touched upon this earlier with the growth of uh, uh, new additions to our GSA clubs, especially at the middle school level, since that is actually a crucial age. And all our high schools already have GSA and Saga clubs, and that's wonderful. So to be able to support younger kids and uh, at the you know earlier grades when they probably would have even a little more struggle and the middle school age this you know robin would know this much better my kids are older but i do still remember that's a kind of an awkward age in terms of communicating their needs and emotions and it can be pretty challenging for a lot of the kids so we're really happy that we played a role in supporting those endeavors and um, different members have different levels of involvement in a school system-wide and individual school level activities supporting these kids um, personally i have been a very active member in the policy committees and we, there are actually many many different policies that can be seen through the lens of being inclusive including uh, being inclusive towards the LGBTQ kids and those uh, perspectives might not be obvious to all the policy committee participants so to be able to provide that lens and that voice on some of those different policy committees has been a very rewarding experience to me. Um, I know other members of uh, Cary also have been pretty active in their own schools, uh, PTA, PTSAs, and so they could also lend a voice of uh, inclusion and equity, um, some of the, you know, especially through the lens of supporting these um, LGBTQ kids. Um, I honestly think that I, I love seeing, you know, parents in the community and I honestly think that, you know, continuing to, um, you know, be active in policies and questioning candidates is just a great thing to do. Um, so thank you so much. Yes, thank you all for all the work that you've done for this organization and all the changes that are beginning to happen um, with our school system because of you. So I applaud you. And thank oh, you. You're so, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today for our um, second podcast. Thank our you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. If you'd like to hear more about how you can support Carrie and LGBTQ plus youth, both Ying and Robin will be presenting their session, Supporting Rainbow Youth, It Takes a Community, at the virtual HOCO Rainbow Conference on May 15th at 1 o'clock. And Susie will be presenting her session, Transition, Living as a Trans Person, specifically designed for trans students at 10 a.m. For more information about how you can join or support Carrie, please visit their website at www.carrie-hoco.org. For more information about registration for the Hoco Rainbow Conference, please visit us on Instagram or Twitter at hcpss underscore pride. Thank you for joining us today. The music featured at the start and end of our podcast is Work by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.